Hey, we have been in a summer series called Rise of Empires. We're studying the book of Daniel. Daniel is an Old Testament book, and it has um, been this wonderful invitation to us, I think. I feel like God's just been at least so good to me as we're reading the scriptures together. We believe it is very, very good to walk together towards Jesus and to read the scriptures together in community so that we can learn God's heart, we can discover God's ways, and we can be a part of God's family and his work here and now. And what I want to remind us of are two major themes that we have seen in this book. And these are from uh, Trimper Longman, and he has written uh, kind of a great resource for how to read the book of Daniel. And this is the first one he says, there's the theme throughout the book of Daniel, in spite of present difficulties, God is in control, and he will have the final victory. Okay? God is in control, and he will have the final victory. And now I want to just be real, I want to I be very kind of like particular God always operates within his character. God is good. God is love. God does not act contrary to himself. Not all that happens is God. Here's what we need to understand. God is never out of control. God is in control and will have the final victory. This should be great news to you today. Everybody should go, woohoo! This summer, yeah, come on, okay? We're going to have some fun this morning. All right, here's the next one. Trimper Longman says this, God's people can survive and even thrive in the midst of a toxic culture. If you are new to faith or you're exploring, you're new to reading the Bible and kind of understanding, Daniel is an interesting uh, book because what we see is uh, the the overwhelming power of Babylon comes in, captures the people of God, and then draws them into captivity. They come into exile. And so Daniel and some of his friends particularly get pulled into the service of the king. And they get put right in the center of the story. And they are now a part of a culture that does not honor God, is not following God, is very much a a kind of a polytheistic, paganistic, worshiping crowd. They like build statues of gold like we heard last week, like 90 feet high, and then tell everybody to bow to it. So this culture is bowing to man-made things and man-made powers. And we should be encouraged that even in a day and time where that actually continues, we cannot just survive, but we can experience the thriving of God's kingdom. The rule and reign of God can be right there in the midst of it, calling us to the goodness of God. And so we should, again, take heart. Like, it's another woo-hoo kind of moment, right? Like, the scriptures are there to encourage us. Now, what I want you to know, this is week five, so if you're just jumping in the series, you can check us out through our podcast, you can go to our website, you can get all of where we've been, but we're going to be in Daniel 4 today, and next week, you'll hear a message from Daniel 5, and they are part one and part two, in what we're calling a tale of two kings. In Daniel 4, we're going to meet King Nebuchadnezzar, and we're going to see more of his story unfolding. And then in Daniel 5, you're going to hear a message about King Belshazzar. And there really are these tale of two kings and what happens. And what we're going to see is that in all of this, what we're realizing, and there are different ways that we can learn. There are different ways that you can learn in how you follow God and how you see the world and how you discover that God is present. 
through our own experiences, which I hope that we all will experience God meet us, and we can learn through the experiences of others. So today, I invite you to learn through the experience of King Nebuchadnezzar. Let the reality of his life and his story and his testimony invite you to transformation. Because part one is King Nebuchadnezzar, and the theme in, in this message for Daniel 4 is awakening. Awakening. We're going to see what happens when we awaken to the work of God and to faith. And what I would say is we all need to acknowledge we all need spiritual awakening. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, just think, you go, man, I think our culture could use a spiritual awakening right now. Okay, so that's at real distance from you. How many of you are willing to say, I think I need a spiritual awakening right now? Because I will tell you, anything we want to see outside of us, we better long for it more deeply inside of us. Anything that we look around and go, oh, I would love to see God, you know, capture hearts again and draw people back to worship and give us an affection for him and his kingdom. Let it be said that I desire that my heart and my affection and my life would desire the living God. I need a deeper awakening. I need more of what God has. And so the first thing that I want us to look at in Daniel 4, the first couple of verses, we're going to look at verse 2 and 3. And what we're going to see is that King Nebuchadnezzar begins to awaken to faith. If you've been reading in Daniel 1, 2, and 3, you see these interesting interactions where King Nebuchadnezzar really has no reference for the God of Israel. He has no reference for the creator God, but begins to have these encounters where God does things in his life that are undeniably God at work. And then he builds a 90-foot statue of gold and tells everybody to worship him. He continues to kind of operate. So you're actually watching his faith move more and more towards the most high. And this is actually true of us. We awaken to faith, and then we kind of go back to our old patterns. And then we awaken to faith more, and we go back to our old patterns. So check out King Nebuchadnezzar's words as we launch in Daniel 4, verse 2. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. This is the anchoring of a declaration of faith that is awakening in King Nebuchadnezzar. Look at my story. Look at my life. Look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. You know, it's my hope and prayer that every single one of us would discover a God that's that active, that's that present, and honestly, a testimony of faith that is that personal. In my life, look at what God has done. His signs and wonders are marvelous. His dominion is far above mine. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And so what we see is King Nebuchadnezzar begin to awaken to this faith, and yet what I know to be true is that in my own life story, I have proclaimed faith like that only to have it deeply tested. Only to have the circumstances of my life begin to press in and move in 
on me to where I go, I don't know if that's true anymore. I don't know if I believe that proclamation. And so what we see in verses 2 and 3 is this awakening to faith, and then it's going to begin to be pressed to what I would say we all need is to awaken to deeper faith. We need to awaken to deeper faith. Because what I know to be true is this, disruption with my comfort and distress in my circumstances are always an invitation to deeper faith because they always test my faith. They always test my faith. I was thinking about this uh, picture. You know those uh, really, 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 really unique, crazy people that decide to like tightrope walk across the Grand Canyon? You can put that tightrope out there and I could look at it all day long and go, I trust that thing. And then you start walking on it, and then the wind starts to blow, and it starts to kind of bounce a little bit. (laughs) At some point, we have to put all of our life and press our faith all the way in to go, is this going to hold? Is this going to hold me? And it has to be more than circumstances. I don't get to love God when my life is blessed. And then disregard God when I say my life is stressed. I don't get to do that. Because I've built a God that's in my image and my ideals based on the circumstances of my world only. What if my life is stressed and God is still at work around the world? What if in my distress God is at work in me? We need to press our faith beyond our circumstances. And this is what we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar do. And we're going to see Daniel do. We need to awaken to deeper faith. I'm going to jump to verses 19 through 25 because what happens is another repeat of what we've seen happen for King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He does not know the meaning of the dream, and he looks to all the magicians, all the wise men, all the enchanters in his king's court and says, tell me what the dream means. And guess what? How many of them can tell him what the dream means? Zero. So then he goes to Daniel. And he goes to Daniel and he says, Daniel, I want you to interpret my dream for me. And here's what happens starting in verse 19. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. I just want you to know, even if you're right where God wants you and you're working through the giftings and the strengths and the different things, the spiritual gifts God's given you, It is still the work of God, not you, in those moments. And you still might be terrified. You still might feel uncertain. You might even feel weak when you are right where God wants you to be. And this is what we see in Daniel. And what I think we need to understand is that Daniel continues to walk in humility. No matter how many times God has shown up and worked through him, his ego and his arrogance is not inflating. He still finds himself, oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And so it says that Belshazzar answered, My Lord, talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree that you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all and giving shelter to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. This elaborate dream of scale and kind of care and 
everything going on. Your majesty, you are that tree. Sure, at that moment, Nebuchadnezzar's going, all right, I'm that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree. No, 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 hold on, that's not, that's not the way it's supposed to go. Wait. Cut down the tree. But leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. Okay? Kind of a wild dream. And then Daniel goes, here's the interpretation. Your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by. Seven times for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all. No matter how high your kingdom has come, no matter how broad and no matter how far your majesty reaches, you have not yet surpassed the sovereign Lord who is above it all. Because he gives kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. What we're seeing is a collision of the strength and power of a man-made kingdom being confronted with the kingdom of God. How many of you want that confrontation in your life? I have bad news every day. Every day we are confronted in the same way. Every day we are confronted as the kings and queens of our kingdom here on earth. And the Lord is going to ask us the same question and invite us to the same response of King Nebuchadnezzar. Will you acknowledge that the Most High is God and I am not? Will we begin to embrace a greater humility of heart as opposed to this work to try to exert our power and exert our will and exert our strength to say, we have conquered? What do you think happens? Where are we going from here? Well, what we have to understand is that for this to play out, and I'm just walking us through the text because one of the hopes that we have as a preaching team is that you'll fall in love with Scripture as you hang out here at the vineyard and that you'll learn how to read Scripture and that when you leave this place, you could read Daniel 4 and you could let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And so we see this awakening to faith. King Nebuchadnezzar is proclaiming the glory of God to the ends of the earth. And then we see him distressed, and we see even Daniel terrified because this dream comes in and it confronts his own story. And then we get real clear that God is at work asking King Nebuchadnezzar to not just awaken to faith, but to awaken to humility. Because at some point I can say I believe in God. I have faith in the Most High, but is that faith beginning to humble my heart and my life to say, not my will, but your will? Not my way, but your way? It's not just faith, but we've got to awaken to humility because what I think faith is is an invitation to repentance. God, I'm sorry I've done my own thing. God, I'm sorry that I continue to exert my will above yours. I'm sorry that I continue to tell you, no thanks, I don't want to do it your way, I'll do it my way. 
that there's this call to repentance and humility, and the longer you follow Jesus, maturity is more of the same. More repentance, more humility, more forgiveness, more grace. It is a deeper work. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is getting this beautiful invitation from the Lord. Beautiful invitation from the Lord. Would you feel like it was an invitation? Would you feel like it's an invitation if the Lord said, I'm going to strip you of everything that you think gives you worth and value so that you can see that it's me and me alone? Would it feel like an invitation to have the biggest kingdom on earth, to have the farthest reach, and be told that in a day you're going to be cast out from your kingdom and nobody's going to care what you have to say? See, faith in Jesus calls us to repentance and humility. Listen to Daniel in verse 26. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. And if I'm honest, I've been reading this and I just feel like this is what the Lord is saying to the church today. I feel like this is what the Lord is saying to us in this moment. Please accept my advice. You can do it the difficult way or you can do it the way of humility, which honestly is the difficult way, so just choose. It's going to be difficult either way. It's going to cost us everything either way. Be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord. As a community, may us as a church humble ourselves before the Lord. It does us no good to look at the world and go, hey, world, humble yourself. You guys out there need to humble yourselves before the Lord. It will be immensely contagious when the world looks at the church and goes, look at how humble they are before the Lord. In order for us to walk with God, to obey his commands, we can't just awaken our faith. We have to awaken humility because this is the deal. Pride is always pervasive. Pride is so pervasive in my heart. And it just shows up at like the most horrible times. And then I get surprised by it. Like I, I see something and I go, oh. You get judgy. You know how to get judgy? Anybody? Yeah. Come on, everybody. Everybody knows how to get judgy every now and again. That's why we have to fast social media, take some breaks from the screens. Pride is everywhere. And it wants to consume my internal reality. This has always been the thing. Pride is pervasive. Verses 28 through 31. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. He had the dream. Daniel interpreted it. He said, please take my advice. He didn't take his advice. 
12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? My mighty power, my majesty, my domain, my kingdom, my bank account, my residence, my leadership, my kingdom. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. I think this applies to every single one of us. Not because we all are kings and queens of nations, but because this cuts to the heart of what is unfolding for all of us every day. Pride is pervasive. Pride is everywhere in me, and it is the thing that often stands between me and the kingdom of God. It is the wars that are being waged everywhere around the globe right now. It's pride. And I'm just curious for us. I know we're reading Daniel, and you're like, that was a long time ago, man. It's not like that anymore. Ah." (laughs) I do have a, a master's degree. I do have graduate school study. And I look around, and I go, this feels pretty timely. So I'm curious if we just get real personal for a minute. Where is there pride in me? And I'm going to ask you to think the same thing, if you're willing. And if you're not willing, maybe that's your first sign of pride. Are we doing that already? It's like... Here's one. You pride yourself on being self-sufficient. You're self-sufficient. My residence. My power. Similar, but I do think a nuanced, a little bit different, self-reliant. I don't need anybody. I got this. I got this. I'm self-reliant. I'm not going to ask for help. I'm not going to depend on the Lord. I think another form of pride that's really like, again, I think pervasive in what's normal where we happen to live is self-indulgent. We just continue to put ourselves at the center and at the front over and over and over again. We're self-indulgent. We don't want people to speak into our lives. We don't, you know, we don't do well with restraint. It's one of these feel-good messages, right? <laughs> yeah. Nobody's like tweeting, taking pictures of this. Like, come on. Well, I'm, I'm confused. And I'm just, and again, like, you have to understand. All of this applies to me. If I am not 
doing the diligent work of the maturing work of the Holy Spirit in me, all of this applies to me. And every time I see another headline of another pastor falling, I am quickly reminded all of this applies to me. Because another form of pride is being self-righteous. It is self-righteous. I know the scriptures better than you. I know how to follow God better than you. I've got this figured out. I've got my faith on lock. I know what it looks like to do this. We have to be so careful because this, again, is one of the challenges that we see with Jesus. He confronts us in where we are self-righteous. And all I'm asking you to do is practice a deeper work of the Holy Spirit for humility's sake. Humble ourselves before the Lord over and over and over and over again. Because what I believe that we see in this text is it is humility that offers hope. Because this is the promise. This is the good news in it. This is going to happen. You're going to be removed from office. (laughs) You're going out to live in the dew with the animals. But when you acknowledge the Most High, So again, no matter where you are in your journey, no matter what's happening, the invitation for maturity is humility. Spiritual maturity always matches itself with humility. And the more you're growing spiritually, the more your humility needs to be expanding because again, you're discovering it's the work of God, it is the spirit of God, it is the living God at work drawing you into the things of his kingdom. Picking it up in verse 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, he's back telling his story again, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. This is good news for the church today. This is good news for humanity today. As we turn our attention to the Lord, restoration can come. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. Just anchor yourselves in the God story. In the beginning, God, all of heaven for eternity, worshiping who? God. Who sits on the throne? Jesus. Before I got here and for all eternity, I get to put myself in God's story. In verse 35, all the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. God does as he pleases. With the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? All the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Here it is. Because everything he does is right and all of his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. The tale of king number one is a king who responded with humility. May that be said of all of us. May this be said of all of us, that we respond to the invitation of God, we respond to the Holy Spirit with a humble heart. You are God and I am not. 
And what that does is it works transformation in our story because God loves you right where you are, but his call on our lives is to not stay there. If I just stay where I am and God meets me with my love, I'm actually still living according to my way and my patterns. So God wants to transform me so I get more aligned to his kingdom. I get more in step with him. I know that his ways are just and everything he does is right and true. And King Nebuchadnezzar shows us that in his own testimony. He says, I reoriented my attention. My attention went from me and my kingdom to God and his kingdom. And then my life became about praising him. It's no longer him on top going, everybody look at me. He's riding, Daniel 4 starts with him riding to all the peoples of the earth, declaring the glory of God. And then he begins to, in humility, say, I will honor God above myself. Doesn't this just feel like right on for where we are in this day and time? Is it just me? Oh, gosh, this is good stuff, guys. This is the Old Testament. Get excited about Scripture. The living God breathes life into it, and the Holy Spirit brings it to life for us today. And you're invited into the story. Daniel 4, 37. If you want to memorize Scripture, memorize this one. Everything he, everything God does is right, and all his ways are just. Let me, let me speak some comfort to your heart. If you see some things happening right now that do not seem right and do not seem just, they are not the way of the living God. So let God fill your heart with hope that you can know God's ways are always right and just, and then we can join him as a people being about his kingdom coming here to earth. It's good news. Here's the confrontation. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So here's what I want to do as I close. I want to invite every single one of us, all of us, one of my favorite savings, all y'all, including me, to take a clear and decisive next step into life with God. I don't want us to leave this place and go, oh, that was good. Felt good. The worship part, the preaching, eh. And then we just get back and we just keep doing the thing. And we rush to the next thing and we think about the next thing and we sort of let our, our world shrink in again. We need transformation. And I'm going to give two illustrations from a vineyard pastor, Rich Nathan. He was preaching this week. Lauren was listening to his message, and I overheard it, and I thought he said it better than I said it, so I'm going to give him credit. Good job, Rich, founding pastor of Vineyard Columbus. Here are two illustrations that I think paint a beautiful picture of why we all need, we all need to consider our next clear step to Jesus. Baptism and poker chips. You pick which illustration fits you best this morning, okay? Okay. The call of God's kingdom is to declare Jesus is Lord. Your ways are right and just. You are above it all. I submit my life and the authority of my life is given over to you. You didn't just save me, but you lead and guide me and tell me which way to go. I am following you because you are Lord. Rich Nathan tells this story that during the time of the Crusades, all these knights and warriors that were being sent into the battlefield would get baptized before they went. 
And as they entered into the waters of baptisms, they would baptize their lives before God, saying, God, I want your protection. And they would hold their sword up out of the water so that they kept one thing that they had full control on. Baptize all this, God, but not that. So that when I step into the battlefield, I am free to just let it rip. I'm Lord over this thing. And Rich confronts us when he, he continues the illustration. He goes, how many of us are experiencing faith like this? We hold our relationships out of the waters of baptism. We hold our money. We hold our dreams. We hold our work. We hold our identity. We hold something to ourselves that we keep control over. God, I want to follow you with most of my life. Your ways are right and just and true, except for when I think my ways are better than you. Oh, when he just started telling us, like, that is a gripping illustration. And the second one was this. How many of you play poker? No judgment. For fun. Just, you know, not for keeps. For keeps. He said, we do this interesting thing with God, and we're invited into the story of God. Today, you are invited into the story of God to say, Jesus, you are Lord. I am not. That is the invitation to a faith journey that you will grow in for the rest of your days. And he said, God calls all of our life to him, so we push all of our chips in. God, you can have all my stuff, especially the ones I didn't like anyway. Those are yours. We push all of our chips in, and we say, God, I'm all yours. And we maybe do that for like a day, or a week, or a decade. And then something happens, and the circumstances change, and we reach back, and we go, accept these. I want these back. And we pull chips back for our own control. My kingdom, my power, my way. We need to see in King Nebuchadnezzar's life the call of the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, that he didn't just come to save us, but to welcome us into his family where he can lead and guide us so that we can walk in humility before the Lord and say, I join you in what you're doing. I join you in heaven coming to earth. I join you in justice coming to earth. I join you. All of my life is yours. My money is yours. My relationships are yours. My work is yours. My parenting is yours. My friendships are yours. My leisure time is yours. My private time is yours. It is all yours so that I can honor and worship you because your kingdom is a kingdom that does not end. Your dominion lasts through all the ages. Would you go all in again with Jesus today? And if there are things you're holding out of the water, or if there's some chips you've kind of held back in your pocket, put them on the table and say yes to Jesus. Let's stand together as a community. If you would like some additional reading this week, James chapter 4. James is a New Testament book. There is a clear call to the church to repentance and humility. It is what the church has always been doing in every season, and we need it again today. And 
Philippians 2 calls us to have the same attitude or mindset of Christ Jesus, which says he did not consider equality with God something to hold on to. Rather, he humbled himself, making himself nothing, coming in the form of a servant, being made in human likeness. The way of Jesus is humility. The way of the family of God is humility. And the way into relationship with Jesus is, God, I'm sorry. I need you. I have been doing my own thing. If you have never pushed all your chips in to go all in with Jesus, today's the day. And I want to invite you to, to step into the fullness of relationship like King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel 4. Like I did and like I've done over and over and over. And if you were here and you've been following Jesus and you just kind of like were here today and you went, oh, how about that? I didn't know I held on to that thing. I didn't know I had held that chip back. Jesus says, come lay it down. Like, just let today be a day you go all in with the Lord. So God, as we stand in your presence and as we move to close this time, I ask for us that you would show us the way of humility. Awaken not just faith, but awaken deeper faith. Awaken a humility that says we, we hunger for you and we thirst for the righteousness that comes from you and you alone that we would humble ourselves in your presence, we would humble ourselves as a community, we would discover life with you, the living God. So we say, come, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? If there are things we need to come lay at your feet, I pray to this, this morning would be a day that we just go, I'm all in again. If there's somebody here today who's been exploring faith by, by your grace and by some way of it making sense, it just, it just makes sense like never before, you, God, would meet them. Show them your love and invite them to offer their entire life to you, to walk in relationship. Where we have pride, would you humble us? Where we have need, would you supply what we need? We ask for your spirit to fill us, make us a humble people who join your story, much like King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4, much like Daniel and his friends, much like the early church in the New Testament, God. We need you. Lord, we just bless your church to walk in humility, to receive the life that you want to give. We need you, God. Show us the ways that you are leading us. May we walk in your goodness. We bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.